0: Hello, and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro, and I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A Group at Steikman For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our guest, Jordan Fish. Jordan is a partner with Blair Franklin Capital Partners. Jordan, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Mario. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Jordan, you are a true mid-market guy and a true mid-market firm. Blair Franklin is a great firm that's been in the marketplace for oh, a long time. And I always like to start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about
1: themselves and
0: a little bit about Blair Franklin, which has itself a very rich history. So love to start there.
1: Sure. I'm Blair Franklin. We're actually in our 20th year, this is our 20th anniversary year, coming up in a few weeks, actually. And over those 20 years, we've done over 300 mandates in excess of $300 billion. And M&A advisory is our sole focus. We don't do any ancillary services that you see at many of the larger banks. We are advisory focused through and through. And what that means is we focus on three key services. So I'll run over the two that probably are less relevant today. And then obviously the mid-market M&A is the most important part here. So first we do sort of board and special committee advisory services, which is largely fairness, opinions, and valuations. The second would be general financial advisory to governments and public and private companies where they need an independent financial advisor. Uh, and then finally, a good half to, you know, more of our business is classic mid market MA transaction sizes ranging from 20 to $500 million, probably the sweet spots in the 50 to hundred range. But as you know, people range up and down those spectrums depending on sort of the activity in the market at the time. In all that, we are industry agnostic. So we work across industries. I'd say we're probably a little bit more of an expertise in financial services and a little bit underweight on oil and gas just because, you know, we don't have boots on the ground in Calgary. A little bit about me. So I've been with Blair Franklin for 10 years now, joined in 2013, started out as an analyst and now I'm a partner. Uh, and I've worked in a wide array of mandates over my tenure, financial services, consumers, industrials, pal utilities. You name it, I've sort of seen it all for many aspects and really sort of honing those skills of advising entrepreneurs and senior leadership of all those companies on really the most important transactions of their lives and careers, particularly when we talk about mid-market M&A. And so my day job is an M&A and financial advisor, but I also moonlight as a therapist for these M&A transactions for the entrepreneurs that we see obviously very important to founders and entrepreneurs who have built up their business over 20 plus years and are undertaking a transaction that's going to fundamentally shift their lifestyle and the way they view the world. And it doesn't really get real for founders until we get involved and they start seeing bids for their companies. So that's a little bit about the firm and sort of my career and looking forward to chatting more about all those aspects that the two of us see on a day-to-day basis.
0: I wanted to start by asking you a little bit about what you're seeing in the marketplace, just cause you're out there all the time. I mean, it's an interesting time on multiple levels and get a sense of what you're up to, what you're seeing, what's going yeah. on. So
1: I'd say we see activity start in 2023 coming into the spring and now early summer has increased. So there's a lot more activity in terms of entrepreneurs looking to engage financial advisors, looking to sort of ahead to a sale process later in the year. And then on the deals that we're currently engaged on and sort of have already gone through the bidding process, activity is up, but timelines have been stretched and diligence is taking longer than I think we had seen in the boom times of 2020 and 2021. Buyers are being more cautious and they really wanna get into the nitty gritty. So that's the overview. And then obviously sellers are putting more time up front into making sure they have clean, crisp answers to all the sort of the buyer diligence questions. When you talk about activity being up, you're out there, you're still seeing
0: sellers, even in this market, interested in selling. And you're obviously talking to sellers every day. What's the frame of mind that they're in? Because it's an interesting time, interest rates. People talk about valuations. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get into valuations. But when you're talking to sellers, what are you seeing right now? It sounds like even with all the macro forces out there, sellers still want to go. They still want to get to market. They still want to sell.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say, especially in our case, we deal with a lot of Private companies, obviously very classic in the mid-market with sort of founder, entrepreneur-led businesses who, as I've said, have built up their business over 20-plus years. And they're really looking ahead to that transition plan. And valuations are important to that. They don't want to sell their business at a trough. But what we've seen over the course of my career is this long-term secular trend of entrepreneurial transition. And that's kind of a mouthful, but basically it's saying if you started a business when you were 20, 30, 40 you've been running it for 25, 30 years, you're looking to transition to that next stage of life to take some money off the table, take it all off the table, and sort of move on to that next stage of your career, where you can either transfer it to the existing management team, transfer it to your kids, potentially, or going much broader and seeing who the best partner for the future growth of your baby is over the next decades and beyond. So... It's not necessarily tied to today's valuations. It's putting in all the legwork to get ready to ultimately make that transition.
0: And when you talk to sellers today, are they worried about some of these macro forces? Are they influenced by other factors in terms of coming to the market now? You highlight age is probably, you know, we've always been waiting for this kind of baby boomer owner is selling. So that part of it. But what other things are you seeing in terms of what's driving sellers to the sales processes right now?
1: Leaving aside the age question, sellers do look at the macroeconomic factors that are affecting them today. Interest rates are unavoidable and it puts a little bit of trepidation into sellers and even buyers. I think we're seeing that a little bit of that dissipate now that rates have normalized and there might be a couple of rate hikes coming, but not to the extent that we've seen in the last 12 months. I think the experience during COVID just changed people's priorities and there's only so many hours in a day and they want to move forward with their transition planning and, you know, making sure they're doing the right things at the right times. We work with a broad range of sellers. Some have this idea in their head that they're going to sell tomorrow, but don't have the time to really put into making that a priority. And there's other sellers that we've worked with who have gone through an extensive long-term strategy process, and they're looking five, 10 years in the future and what's best for the business. And at that point, they're looking to transition leadership over that period of time. And we work with a lot of founders who are very thoughtful in how they approach this sort of momentous occasion. And so that's kind of what we're seeing on the entrepreneurial transition.
0: I have to ask you, how's valuations playing out? I mean, we went through the crazy years of 21 and maybe 22 when you know yeah. sellers were jumping to the market because valuations were so high. Are you seeing leveling off? Are you noticing any kind of change in mentality from sellers when it comes to valuations or at least expectation management has changed?
1: I think in general, like what we're seeing and then we can talk about how we communicate the expectations to the sellers. Valuations are definitely lower than they were relative to the peaks that we saw in 2020 and 2021, but it's really a multifaceted story where companies that are high quality, they have great business, they've shown a long-term track record that wasn't just the COVID-booting business are still getting premium valuations. It may not be the ludicrous heights that we saw, but they're still very healthy. There's a lot of competition for those types of businesses from strategic players, from financial buyers and the like. I think where we're seeing a lot of value expectation adjustments, for lack of a better term, is in those businesses that are smaller, have less of a track record, have less of an established, you know, management team outside of the founder and where the sector is just not as desirable. So you're seeing fewer bidders at the table so there's really this bifurcation in the market where certain sellers don't see a whole lot of difference and certain sellers are seeing substantially different things than they may have been told 12 18 months ago following on that point cash is really king in this market because of where interest rates have moved buyers with access to capital either you know existing cash on the balance sheet or existing financing lines are really able to be opportunistic here and sort of press their advantage to pick off companies that are not as well capitalized or endowed to ride out a potential storm that some say is already here or some say is coming in the next 12 months.
0: When you look at the businesses that you're working with and the owners you're working with, You know, have you noticed the change in the nature of the deals that come to market, we obviously talk about the tech space being down a bit because multiples and, you know, the whole kind of tech M&A is gelled out a bit. Have you seen other people take hold of new spaces, new interests? What type of industries are you seeing out there that are attractive right now? What are you noticing out there from an industry sector point of view?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of our recent transactions have been in the asset manager, high net worth manager, sort of Mm -hmm. money managing space. I think that really ties into that sort of entrepreneurial baby boomer transition, because just like there is an entrepreneurial transition, there's going to be sort of a financial asset transition from baby boomers to their children, again, very long-term secular trend and it's not happening overnight, but there's been a lot of consolidators in the space looking to add to their portfolios and build a war chest of fee generating assets that should do well over the long term. In that sector, size is really important, so having a critical mass of asset under management has been the calling card for a long-term sustainable business. And then there's all the other factors of having the right leadership team, having good relationships with their clients, having share of wall and things like that. Other sectors that we've been seeing are more industrial in nature, recycling businesses, construction related businesses, which has been surprisingly resilient relative to what you would think would be a housing slowdown. So, you know, we play in a bunch of different markets. As I said off the top, I say financial services is kind of a bread and butter and we're not seeing any slowdown in that space. So it's interesting,
0: even with the interest rate increase, the financial services space hasn't really slowed down at all. The activity is still
1: strong. Yeah, and again, there's obviously nuances within the market, but the sector that we've done the most transactions in are high net worth asset managers and people of high net worth with their money at these sort of premium managers. They're affected by interest rates and obviously their equity portfolios have been affected, but over the long term, there's still this appetite for acquirers to have these types of assets and roll them up. So it's a very piggyback roll up strategy space.
0: I was going to ask you if it sounds like you're seeing the private equity buyers play in that space sounds like even in the financial services space, you're seeing a lot of private equity.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. They sort of look like strategics, but act like private equity in a lot of cases. And there's these public roll-up strategies. A big example of them is Focus Financial Partners, which is a publicly listed company, but it's backed by large private equity firms that are actually getting acquired through a large takeout transaction. And so private equity is looking into the space. Similarly, we've seen a lot of activity in the insurance services space. So. A couple of years ago, we sold an insurance brokerage business to a strategic, actually, Arthur J. Gallagher. But that auction was one of the most active we've ever seen in terms of interest from strategics and also private equity-backed roll-up strategies. So we kind of see the spectrum here and it kind of depends on the uniqueness of the asset for sure.
0: You're finding the private equity still strong in those sectors, usually private equity because of the leverage model. It's kind of a bit cool to this environment, at least on larger deals because of Mm -hmm. interest
1: rates. But it sounds like, no, you're still seeing them active. I agree on the larger transactions. They've definitely taken a step back. But if they have a platform and they're looking to roll up smaller players, which in the mid-market, that's kind of what we play in, they're still reasonably active. It's probably not as gangbusters as it was 12, 24 months ago. But again, if they have the cash to deploy at reasonable cost of capital, then they're still in these processes for sure. Would you say at least in terms of your practice, Jordan, that the majority of buyers are private equity or do you see other type? Is it really a private equity type market even now? So I think in our practice, I'd say the majority of the transactions that we've done actually go to strategics. But private equity plays very heavily in our auction processes. But in the large majority of the time, strategics just can bring more value to the table in terms of synergies, in terms of integrating it into their larger organization and sort of taking it to the next level. The sectors that we're talking about are very targeted private equity strategies that we've seen. And there are fewer sort of synergies that can be brought by a large strategic, so Private equity has much more even footing in those scenarios, but I'd say in general, we're setting up a buyer's list for one of our clients, you know, and obviously sector dependent, 90% is probably too high, but, you know, a large majority of the potential buyers that we reach out to are going to be strategic because we know they're very often the likely buyer here. But you go to everyone because you never know someone's going to surprise you with a good bid and take it from there.
0: I asked all our guests, Jordan, the crystal ball question, where do they think the markets going? And we obviously saw the latest economic numbers that the mm-hmm. Canadian economy is doing well. And so we may actually yeah. see just rate increases, but I want to get your perspective on what you're seeing in terms of activity, forward looking, mm-hmm. and where you think your practice is going in terms of activity and what you're seeing in space and sectors
1: as we go forward. Yeah, in terms of activity, I think it will still be relatively robust through the end of the year obviously pending what the Bank of Canada and the Fed and even the U.S. Congress does over the debt ceiling and interest rates. You know, as I said before, we're seeing a lot of sellers thinking about the future. They want to put in the upfront work now to prepare their business for a transaction. And we'll assess market conditions, you know, in the fall or maybe early in the new year. And if conditions are favorable or even just reasonable, we're going to be hopefully launching a few processes in that time. <laughs> it's a crystal ball. So, you know, hopefully we're just as busy as you are. And I'm sure you're quite active. And we're seeing a lot of buyers who are just asking us, What are you working on? We have capital to deploy. We're open for business. And so I think that's all positive in terms of activity, sort of for the next 12 months or so. In terms of sectors, we've seen, as we talked about a couple of different sectors that we've seen over the last little while. I think again, sort of those secular trends are going to be important over the next 12 months. And we're chasing a few different leads in financial services and office products and recycling and industrial waste. So again, we're generalists. So we kind of see the gamut, hard to really say what sector is going to be the one to watch over the next 12 months. But we're there talking to sellers across the spectrum.
0: You know you spend a lot of time in financial services. I mean, just the sense of when yeah. tech's going to come back and what you're seeing from even from financial mm-hmm. services side, because I don't think yeah. as a big player in financial sure. services.
1: Yeah, yeah. And obviously the tech valuations and just tech in general, the shine has come off that sector over the last 12 months. And I think the most important factor coming back to sort of our outlook on the market is that tech for the longest time was a growth story through and through, and what revenue growth were you seeing quarterly over quarter, active users and things like that. Now it's really about you had done profitability and showing some of that operational discipline to generate cash flows and not grow at all costs. And so over the next 12 months, again, it comes back to that bifurcation in the market that we talked about earlier, where the quality companies are going to be getting those high valuations and quality comes back to generating long-term sustainable cash flows. And companies who can't figure that out in the tech sector, who are just burning money and may have to raise capital coming down the pipeline, I think they're going to have a tough time. And that just owes to the chilling in the VC sector, the increasing cost of capital, and the greater discipline that sort of investors and buyers are looking for from the companies that they're looking at.
0: Jordan, I want to thank you for joining us. It's been great to learn about your practice and the way you're working on and to give us your perspective on what's happening in the marketplace. And I really appreciate having you as a guest. Thanks very much, Maria.
1: This has been a great discussion and looking forward to the next one.